From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. John Taylor is a professor of economics at Stanford University and, of course, the man behind the so-called Taylor rule, a rule not quite implemented by the Fed, although it certainly gets talked about, Professor. There's been a lot of discussion looking at today's CPI report, 3% on headline, even core coming down. You overlay that with where the Fed funds rate is, and a lot of people, Professor, will say mission, if not accomplished, certainly almost there. Well, I think they've done a lot of good. Remember how far behind they were a year and a half ago or so, is, and it's they've adjusted by almost five basis points, five hundred basis points, from a quarter point to uh, five and a quarter, and it's done some good. And let's let's face it, I would think it would have been a little better if they'd gone a little earlier, but uh, let's cheer that they've gone this far. But I still think they need to go a little bit further. Uh, and we'll see if they move next time. But uh, I think a little bit further would be safer at this point. Well, when we talk about going a little bit further, Professor, there's always that question here about those proverbial long and variable lags, whatever the phrase is here, and whether there does need to be maybe a little bit of a waiting period to see how that affects the economy, to see how much that affects tamping down inflation even further. Well, they've had a waiting period already. That's really why they delayed, I think, a little bit to see. But uh, and this number three percent is quite good. Uh, there's no question about it. It's it's come down, but it was quite high. I think this is showing that the actions have worked. Don't forget, this is they took some actions, raised the interest rate that's tamed inflation. I think they to be safe, they need a little go a bit further. This is one observation, three percent, but a little bit further, and we'll have to see. I mean, there's no sense cheering completely because it's not over. Also, let's not forget the world. The world is out there yes. with inflation all over the place. Yes, absolutely. Canada, the UK, uh, the, the European Union. I remember, Professor, a couple of months into the Fed's rate hikes last year, there was talk about how it would be relatively easy to go from 8% to 4%, but to go from 4% to 2% would be a lot trickier. It would take a lot more time. What will the effort to bring inflation down to the Fed's 2% target look like to you? I think if they continue on the pace that they've gone, uh, it may be a little bit slower, that's fine. But 2% is their target. And it's not just the Fed. It's something which has been glued in. And I think, of course, there's some talks about moving it up a little bit. I don't think that's necessary. I don't think it's good to do that. So stick with where they are. That's what they seem to be saying. Mm-hmm. And it may require a little bit more, but I don't think that much more. Basically, on the so-called Taylor rule, is about it's very close already at this point. We know that base effects worked in favor of cooling inflation for the month of June. Uh, and Bloomberg Economics expects headline CPI to edge higher in July and August because those favorable base effects reverse. Do you think the central bank and investors are sufficiently prepared for inflation to moderate in a jagged fashion and a nonlinear fashion that there's going to be fits and starts? 
Yes, I think they are. They they're they're a little bit surprised. Has come down as 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 much as come. It's not a surprise to people who look at policy rules, but it's come down. But let's not give up. You know, it's maybe maybe it's four percent, it's three percent, but we the goal is two percent, and that's not just the United States. Other countries as well. Other countries are relying on that. And I think there there could be some backups, no question about it. It's not a not a rocket science type of thing. But look at the, your chart; it's come down quite a bit in the last year. But look how much it gone up before then. We don't want to repeat that again. Well, it gets to the question now, I guess, kind of what the Fed does next. Not just so much in monetary policy, but I guess how they sort of implement that policy in what should be, at least what most people believe, Professor, is going to be kind of a, a new era of higher interest rates, at least higher relative to the near zero rates that we had for several years here. What, what do you think that discussion looks like? I mean, how does Jay Powell, assuming he's the leader of that discussion, how does he steer that? Well, I think they have various uh, ways to do it. As I, as I mentioned to you, they, they're publishing the rules in their books at this point, in their reports. One just came out last week. They've been in and out. Now they're quite in, and they refer to that. Everybody on the FOMC knows about that. We had a meeting just here at, at Stanford not too long ago with several members of the FOMC. Also, the former governor of the Bank of Japan weighed in. And so I think there's a recognition that they have to follow some kind of a strategy rule. After all, why did inflation get as close to 10% as it did? It's because I think they got off yeah. a year and a half ago. And, and let's not forget that as well. Well, and that's a good point. And I mean, you mentioned that that paper, uh, that, that report that was out uh, uh, last uh, a few weeks ago here. And I mean, obviously it singled out the Taylor rule as well as the adjusted Taylor rule. Uh, there, I think there were three other metrics in there as well, like the balance approach rule and the first difference rule. I mean, all of these rules are kind of cut from the same cloth. So they're acknowledging, A, their existence. They seem to be acknowledging their usefulness, but they're not actually using them. Well, I think that they realized they got far off a year and a half ago. Let's, let's face it. And if you read the reports, they say, hey, we caught up. We're doing we're much better than we were. And so that's a recognition. Now, there were other things going on, of course, which made it confusing. But I think that this is a demonstration that as long as central banks are fairly close to these rules or strategies, they're not rocket science. They're pretty straightforward. And also, let's not forget other countries. So European Central Bank, et cetera, has to follow the same uh, track. And, and inflation is high in other countries as well. Yeah, they're pretty straightforward. You say that a, a lot, but maybe the, the simplicity scares off uh, people at times. I'm curious, Professor, has anyone at the Federal Reserve, whether it's the FOMC or otherwise, reached out to you during this period of aggressive rate hikes to say, you know, oh, hey, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we're kind of behind in getting this started. Yeah, of course, there's lots of conversation back and forth. And we just had a, a meeting here where there were several members of the FOMC. And uh, yes, it's, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, there's Everyone knows about this strategy. They have others. As Romaine was indicating, there's there's several others. They're variants on the same idea. But did they and say, you, yeah, this was our bad? Pardon? Did Sorry. they say, yeah, this was completely our bad. We messed this up. Well, almost. <laughs> Almost. It's hard to say it quite that dramatically, but if you read between the lines, I think you see that's pretty clear. And and after all, they were way off. And maybe 500 basis points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm also let's, curious. Let's not, let's not forget that. That's important to keep in mind. And uh -huh. I think it's one of the reasons why there will be more 
emphasis on strategies and rules going forward than we've seen recently. So we should be paying attention to that. That's one of the reasons I've emphasized it recently. I mentioned how the Taylor rule is simple and so simple that perhaps people might be a little bit confused by how simple it is because every situation is always different. Um, there are always some new factors to weigh in every downturn, like a pandemic-generated supply chain crisis or disruption that you know, simple formulas may not account for. Do you think that the simplicity and the straightforwardness of the rule makes people reluctant to adopt it? Perhaps, but remember, it started very complicated. It, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't always so simple. We tried to make it simple over time. It's 30 years old, at least at this point. And originally, it was quite complicated, taking into all the things that central bankers think about. And, and as always, it's hard to believe just a couple, three variables is all that you need. But I think that's what people have observed. And, you know, we had inflation rate close to 10 percent, 9.1 percent. And, and to some extent, that was because, I think, is because they got off. I, I shouted about it at the time. And now they're getting back on and things are improving dramatically, as you mentioned. I am curious about uh, how we factor in some of the labor market conditions or rather the uncertainty around some of those conditions, uh, Professor, because I mean, going forward, I mean, we're kind of past the point of just looking at whatever the headline inflation numbers are or what the Fed is going to do. We know that right now it is about payroll growth and about wages and whether that falls in line with some of the other deflationary uh, or uh, some of the other uh, disinflation that we've seen, I should say. Absolutely. And there's, there's other things. There's quantitative easing, which is, is, is still there as a possibility. There's other ways to do monetary policy with more emphasis on monetary aggregates. So we've, aggregates. So we've, we've seen this before and it could come back. Although I think now uh, there's been quite a bit of emphasis on uh, the interest rate, what it should be, how far it is from a normal level, what is the equilibrium interest rate, is it 2% or 1%? Some of it emphasizes that 2% anymore, it's 1%. And so that lowers it a little bit. We'll have to see as we come out, but it seems to me that the strategy of looking at the interest rate in a particular, I would call it rules-based way, but whatever you want to call it, a strategy, mm -hmm. is, is where we are going. And other countries are following the same method as well. Uh, there's uh, going to be a lot of discussion, not only, of course, within the, the halls of the Fed itself, but, of course, we have the big Jackson Hole uh, event uh, uh, later uh, in August, uh, which, of course, is always an opportunity for a variety of economists to sort of pitch their ideas. I mean, you're sure you're familiar with it as well here. Uh, what, what do you think... I guess they will end up discussing beyond just sort of the guardrails, if you will, for monetary policy going forward. What becomes that new structural issue they need to address? I think that they'll have to understand why inflation got as high as it got. And to some extent, that's a global phenomenon. That should be a big topic. I was at the first Jackson Hole Conference, 1982, is a long time ago. And so we've been discussing these things for a long time. But I think that is the most important thing to discuss, is how we got into this situation. And also, going forward, is there going to be more emphasis on rules or strategy? Yeah. Or, and I think that my sense is there'll be more. Are you going this year? I'm, I'm so far, I don't know. It's a little, I don't travel as much as I used to. You know how it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, they've got some good fishing. Well, airfares are down, <laughs> Professor, so it might be time to, to book your ticket. Maybe I can walk. <laughs> John Taylor, Stanford University. It'll be a long walk over to uh, Jackson Hole. Thank you so much for joining us today. The countdown has begun. 
This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.